Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. This was Joseph's life goal. It was to get his family to come down so that he could nourish and protect them. And all this about their eyes seeing his mouth speaking the message to him was all to show them that Joseph is this message. Joseph knows here that he has been put in this elevated position of being ruler over all of Egypt for such a time as this, so that Joseph could nourish and protect his Jewish people from the destruction of starvation. And I was quoting, of course, and you know that, but I was quoting the words of Mordecai that he said to Esther in Esther 4.14, when Esther, in Esther 4.14, when Mordecai said, thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that was the time when Esther was queen of Persia. And, you know, I I can't hardly even say that without being amazed. A Jewish woman was the queen of Persia. Jewish women are queen of many houses, but the queen of Persia? She was the queen of Persia. And Mordecai told her, you have been promoted to be the most powerful woman on earth. For one, you've been the most powerful woman because you're the queen of Persia. For one purpose so that you can nourish and protect your Jewish people from the destruction of Haman. And that's the same message that Joseph was saying to his brothers, that Joseph had been promoted to be the most powerful man on earth in Egypt for such a time as this, so that like Esther, he could nourish and protect his own Jewish people, which is what he said in Genesis 50, verse 20, Genesis 50, 20, where he said, God bent it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph was a savior who was promoted or raised up to save his Jewish people from destruction by them coming to him and so he can nourish and protect them. Esther was a savior who was promoted or raised up to save her Jewish people from destruction. So Esther and Joseph were promoted to save. They were not the only ones who were saviors who were promoted or raised up to save their Jewish people from destruction. That's exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 5.31 makes it so clear. Acts 5.31, when it says, Him, that's the Lord Jesus, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins. 
Now, when that verse says that God exalted the Lord Jesus Christ to be a Savior to give repentance to Israel's forgiveness of sins, that's the same as it was with Esther and with Joseph and with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were all promoted, or in his case, raised from the dead, to be a Savior of their own Jewish people. And Joseph knew that this was his life goal. And so he knew his life goal was three words, promoted to save, promoted to save, promoted to save. And those those three words, if Joseph had a tombstone, he could have said, put those words on my tombstone. My life was that I was promoted to save, promoted to save. And, and if Esther had a tombstone, she would say, put those same words on my tombstone too. You can put them on my tombstone, Esther would have said, promoted to save. And that's the description of the Lord Jesus Christ, promoted to save, meaning that he was promoted from death by resurrection to save his people from their sins. So when Joseph says in verse 9, for his people to come to him, they had to come to him, and in verse 10, so that he could be, they could be near him, and then in verse 11, so they could nourish he could nourish and protect them. See those three steps. They had to come to him, verse 9, so that they could be near to him, verse 10, so that he could nourish and protect them, verse 11. That's the same message that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, that's the verse 9, come. And also we can parallel that with John 14. I will that they would be with me. Go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. That's the verse 11. All you that labor and heavy labor, and I'll give you rest. That's the nourishment and the protection. It's the same message. Come near to me to be near, to come to me to be near to me so I can nourish and protect you. And Joseph wanted their eyes to see his mouth speaking these words to, to so that his brothers wouldn't understand. That's Joseph. Joseph is the message. Joseph is that message. That Joseph is the message of come to me to be near me so I can nourish and protect you. And Joseph with that message was the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. You know another word for the word message is the word word. Word. So that when we say that 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 with Joseph Joseph was the message, that's what we're saying of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Lord Jesus Christ is the message. The Lord Jesus Christ is the word, is the word. And, and, and that's the way it was with Joseph, and that's the way it was with the Lord Jesus. The word, what word? Come to me so you can be near me, so I can nourish and I can protect you. This is what's meant in John 1, 1, when it says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the message. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And then later on in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. <clears throat> we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word. It is, come to me so you can be near me, so I can nourish and protect you. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that message. And that's why it's so important for Joseph, for them to see that this was not just some cold, sterile message, you know, on a piece of paper that, 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 that they were to, you know, pull out. And you get to the father saying, no, let me see now. Da, 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 da. No, no, they, 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 their eyes were to look at Joseph's mouth so that they could see this link 
between the message and Joseph was so strong that they could say to their father, Joseph is that message. He is that message. And that's the meaning behind this, what Joseph meant in verse 12 when he said, behold, your eyes see that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. Now, when we look at this link that Joseph was making with his words when he says this in verse 12, Behold your eyes, see the eyes of my brother Benjamin. It's my mouth that speaketh unto you. And again, when we extract that core message out, which is simply your eyes, see that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you, we can see beyond Joseph, beyond this instance here of Joseph, to an illustration where the Lord is saying those words to us. And when we do that, just imagine how wonderful it is if every time we sat down at the, with the Bible that we heard our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, saying those same words to us as we sit down. We sit down with the Bible. We open up, and we, 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 hear, God, we hear the Lord Jesus saying, Your eyes see, it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. You know, compared to the lost, the saved, we see the Bible totally different from how the lost see the Bible. For the, law, for, the, for, for the lost, the Bible is a profound book. It goes on the bookshelf with all the profound books that have been written for the law, but that's it. For the lost, the Bible is nothing more than one of the greatest or the greatest book that was ever written. Nothing more than that. You know, for the lost, the Bible is an essential part of a great religion called Christianity along with the other great religions of of Buddhism and Hinduism. I'd rather call Christianity truthianity. Uh, But for the lost, it's nothing more than an essential part of Christianity. For the lost, the Bible must be studied and it must be understood. You should even take a college course on comparative religions. For the lost, the Bible is nothing more than, than a book to be studied and understood for what it says. But it's this verse... In verse 12, when applied to the Bible, that shows how the saved view the Bible because for the saved, the Bible's not just the most profound book that's ever been written. For the saved, the Bible is not just an essential part of Christianity. For the, for the saved, the Bible is, is not just a book that has to be studied and understood and, and in order so you can understand comparative religions. For the saved, the Bible is seen with these words in verse 12. So, and this is what makes the difference between how the saved and the lost see the Bible. The saved see the Bible with the words of verse 12 coming right from the lips of the Lord Jesus. You see that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. And what the saved see in the Bible, which the lost do not see, is this essential link, which is what Joseph was trying to say to his brothers. The essential link between the Bible and God. The saved see two parts about the Bible message, and those two parts are seen in verse 12. First, the saved see that the Bible comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says in verse 12, your eyes see that it's my mouth that speaketh. The Bible comes straight from God. But second, the saved also see those very two important words at the end of verse 12, unto you, unto you. See, the saved see, it's, it, 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 it's, it's not only the Bible is from the mouth of God, but the Bible contains personal messages 
from God. Personal messages. The saved see that the Bible contains messages which are part of God's daily messages to each saved person that are needed for the spiritual life of the saved. Just like the manna had to be collected daily. And the Lord Jesus was speaking, you could say, that the Lord Jesus was speaking right out of verse 12 when he responded to the devil in his temptation in the wilderness in Matthew 4.4. In Matthew 4.4, when he responded, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word in the Bible has come from the mouth of God. And it's by those words in the Bible that, that, that the children of God are fed. The children of God are fed. And when the Lord Jesus Christ used the Bible and, 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 and the scriptures, when he used the scriptures to correct the wrong understanding of the Sadducees who believed there is no afterlife, was so interesting in Matthew twenty two thirty one. Matthew twenty two thirty one. he said, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, here is the Lord Jesus. He's quoting from what God said to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3.6. And this statement that he's quoting here, this statement that was made in Exodus 3.6 was, was spoken and recorded nearly 2,000 years before the Sadducees, who he was speaking to at that time. But this statement in Exodus 3, 6 was, was what, was what God said to Moses. God said to Moses, he said those words. He said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He said that to Moses. God said that to Moses almost 2,000 years earlier from the time when he was speaking, when the Lord was speaking to the Sadducees, but he said that. God said those words to Moses. And yet what's so remarkable about the Lord Jesus and what he said to the Sadducees is that even though those words were spoken to Moses by God nearly 2,000 years earlier, the Lord Jesus said to the Sadducees in Matthew 22, 31, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, so forth. That's amazing. That's amazing that the Lord Jesus took a statement from the Bible that was spoken to Moses by God nearly 2,000 years earlier and said to the Sadducees who were living 2,000 years later, he said to them, those words were spoken to you, Sadducees, by God. That's amazing. I mean, what the Lord Jesus said to the Sadducees was that something that was spoken thousands of years earlier, was spoken to them by God. And that's how we have to view the Bible. That which was spoken and written thousands of years before us is being spoken to us by God, just like he said to the Sadducees. And that's why all of the the Bible is spoken to us by God. Things that were spoken by God thousands of years ago are spoken to us today by God. And that's what's meant when we, when the Bible is called the Word of God, the Word of God. When anyone, uh, when anyone applies verse 12 to the Bible, then the Bible becomes for that person the Word of God. When anyone sees the Bible in the light of verse 12, 
that, that, that they really see that it's the mouth of God that's speaking the words in the Bible, and it's personal to that person, then the Bible becomes for that person the word of God. And to see the Bible as coming from the mouth of God with personal messages, relevant messages every day from God is very personal, it's very deliberate, and just because a person may call the Bible the Word of God, it doesn't mean that it's the Word of God for them. You know, I remember being deposed by the, by, by an attorney who, who had brought a lawsuit against antibodies and was asking me questions so that she could use them in court to accuse me. And so she asked me the question, are you a missionary? She asked me, and I replied, what do you mean by a missionary? And she said, are you trying to spread the word of God? <clears throat> well, when she asked me that, I was taken aback because, believe me, she was the last person I would consider to call the Bible the word of God. Now, later, I, I, I realized how she'd been exposed to calling the Bible the word of God because her sister is an Episcopalian pastor. Now, just because a person calls the Bible the Word of God does not mean that it is the Word of God for that person. The Bible is the Word of God for a person when that person sees the Bible coming from the mouth of God, like it says in verse 12, and also sees the Bible as as, as written to that person, as God speaking to that person. Then the Bible is the Word of God. Now, in the Bible, we, we, we see with spiritual understanding, the mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to us, much like the conversation that went on between the Lord Jesus and the man that he healed in John chapter 9.35. In John chapter John 9.35, it says, Jesus heard that he had been cast him out, and when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Or put it this way, just think of it this way. Do you believe on God the Son? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto them, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So through the Bible, the Lord Jesus talks with us, and when we come to realize he's God, God the Son, just like this, that's like he told that man about God the Son, thou hast both seen him, it's he that talk with thee. When a person sees that, then the Bible becomes the word of the Lord Jesus, the word of God, the word of my God, the word of my Lord, the word of my Jesus. Okay, now, Joseph has finished his words, uh, finished all the words that he wants his brothers to get straight, get it right, tell his father. And now he moves on to what he wants his brothers to tell his, to further tell his father in verse 13. Verse 13, where he says, and you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall, and, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. Now, now Joseph has, 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 um, not just put the words in his mouth, in their mouths, which he had, but now he's instructed them something else. They should tell their, they should tell their father about all of Joseph's glory that they had seen in Egypt. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen. And that's important, that word seen. I mean, there needs to be a balance. <clears throat> Joseph was saying to them, there's gotta be a balance. In, 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 in what you're saying here. A balance between the exact words that, jo- that I'm giving you to tell, tell dad. And I've rehearsed them with you and gone over them so you know them. And, and so there's gotta be this balance between the words, exact words, and now the glory that you've seen. 
the glory that you've seen. So the brothers had to bring the exact objective message that Joseph gave them, but the brothers also needed to bring their own impression, their own personal observations, their own personal testimonies of what they had seen of Joseph's glory in Egypt. See, if the brothers had only brought Joseph's message, it would have been, it wouldn't have been a complete report because it, it would have lacked their own personal observations, their personal experiences, their personal testimonies. If the brothers, on the other hand, had only brought their personal testimonies and not brought the exact message from Joseph, then it would, it would not have been a complete report because it would have left Jacob, it would have left Jacob up in the air. Yeah, well, what should I do? So both had to make up their report to, to Jacob. Both the words that, that they were to say to Jacob and, and their own personal testimony of what they had seen of, of Joseph's glory in Egypt. And it's this balance. It's this balance here that we can see that how we are to bring our, our message to the lost in evangelism. Because just as Joseph rehearsed in the ears the exact words of his message they were to bring his father there, so in our evangelism, in our witness to the lost, when we bring the gospel to the lost, we are to bring the exact words of God, what he said in the gospel message. We're to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're to say those, say words like that, the exact words of what's in the Bible. But as Joseph told his brothers, then, then you give your eyewitness account. Then, then, then you see, you see, he told his brothers, tell dad about all my glory that you've seen in Egypt. And so we're to give our own personal testimony of what we've seen the Lord do for us in our lives. Both are necessary if we're to have a complete witness for the Lord. A witness is not complete if it's only the Bible. It's out of balance. Because the lost will say, well, what difference has that made in your life? Have you done that? So we need our personal testimony to go along with our witness so just as the brothers needed to give their personal testimony of Joseph's glory that they had seen in Egypt. And on the other hand, a witness is not complete if a person only tells about what God has done for them. Then the lost will say, well, that's all well and good for you. That's your personal story, but I'm not you. And so I don't see how that applies to me at all. That's why it's important to include in our witness what the Bible says, like it says things like uh, in, in Acts 26.20, in Acts 26.20, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea, Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works for repentance. And Mark's 1.15, Mark 1.15, repent ye, believe the gospel. And just as, as Joseph wanted to see his glory, to, to wanted his father to know that brothers have seen the glory, so the Lord, he, he, he wants he wants us to see his glory also. The Lord wants us to see his glory. Just as Joseph wanted his father to see his glory, the Lord wants us to see his glory. He said that in John 17, 24. John 17, 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. Now, we only partly today, we just partly see the glory of God. We can't see it very clearly because it says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, not very well. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 